0: Hey y'all, I'm Lynn Winter, a lawyer by day and wife, mom, dance teacher, fitness instructor, and time management expert by all the free time I have made for myself. When returning to big law after maternity leave, I knew I needed to maximize my productivity at work so I could be present for my daughter and husband the moment I walked in the door. So I became obsessed with all things time management and productivity so I could do all the things I had to do plus all the things I wanted to as well. Now I share all my tried and true methods to help you organize your own life while dropping some real life moments in between. Sit back because this is the Life in Motion podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the Life in Motion podcast. I'm coming to you today, just me, but I'm talking about something that I think is very timely. It is something that has been the talk of 2020 and quite frankly should have been the talk way before now. In the public form that I feel like it has taken this year. As we are approaching election day coming up in less than a month, and everybody's emotions are running high and wild, the thing that has really stuck with me is not so much political jargon per se, but what this election and every election says about our country. And today I specifically want to talk about race relations. So as you all know, I'm very white. Um, I am blonde hair, green eyes, white skin, white. And I know that I have a privilege just by the color of my skin, the color of my hair, the fact that I am built in a slender tone way. I recognize all of those things as a privilege in that it affords me opportunities that others don't readily get simply by the way that they look. I also understand that perhaps my name affords me opportunities that others would not have on a piece of paper like a resume or an application. I am very cognizant of the luxury I have of being a white woman in the United States. But what I think goes unnoticed a lot of times is that I grew up very well aware of this privilege, and here's why. I have a brother. He's my technically born my half-brother. We share the same mom, but we have a different dad. But then my dad legally adopted him. And so really, he's my brother, and that's all I've ever known him as. If you have ever seen me post pictures of my brother, you will notice that his complexion is, well, I guess complexion is the wrong word, but um, his skin is darker than mine, although not significantly. But my brother's dad was black. And I say was because he is no longer with us. Um, he passed away. I'm not really sure when. I never met my brother's biological father. I've only seen uh, pictures um, and heard of him in passing from my mom. So I grew up with a brother that I didn't really know wasn't a full blood relative of mine. In fact, I didn't even know that his father was black until I was probably in my teen years. Um, I think that's probably when I actually found out that, you know, his father was black. I'm, I know that that to you might sound pretty ridiculous, but it was just not something our family talked about. And I don't know if it was that we didn't talk about it because it wasn't a big deal or because we were living in the South in the 80s and 90s and my mom had a mixed race child um i have no idea i don't know if it was because in 1981 a woman gave birth to a little boy in small town pennsylvania whose father was not who she was married to at the time i don't know exactly what it was but it just came to be that i just didn't really know and from my recollection of of the events is that it just didn't ever dawn on me because I was born with him always there. I understood that he looked different than me. I knew he had a different father than me but in my mind it just didn't matter that the color of his skin was different. The texture of his hair was different because that was my big brother. And he was my best friend growing up until, you know, we got older and had different interests and got to that point where anything and everything that he did and said annoyed the ever living daylights out of me. And I'm sure it was the same in return. But what I can remember as I got older and I started to be more aware of my surroundings is that he was treated differently. He was given the side eye, the glances. And I wasn't old enough to really understood what that meant, but I noticed it. When I got older, I noticed that he was treated differently than I was if we walked into a convenience store or a fast food restaurant. We got very interesting looks of my brother and I as we progressed into our 20s when we would go to dinner together and go out places together because I'm pretty sure that the common misconception is that we were a couple and not brother and sister and we were given looks those looks like this isn't right. It makes us feel uncomfortable. And I got to the point where I noticed them, but I didn't let them bother me because in my mind, it didn't matter because I knew what was right. And I knew who he was and who I was and what we believed in. But it was always that kind of nagging feeling in the back of your mind And I never quite understood how important it was for me to be a voice and to be an advocate for those who are on the receiving end of those side glances until I had my daughter. And my brother and I were at a restaurant here in Fort Worth. It was the two of us and we had um, my daughter with me she was a baby. I mean, like not even a year old yet. And it's just the three of us at dinner and Michael, my brother had been holding her and he went to the bathroom or went somewhere. And so I was sitting at the table by myself and I was holding Evelyn and a couple walked over to me um, and said, um, Oh, your daughter, um, she looks nothing like her dad. And it took me a minute because, if you've ever seen my daughter and my husband, you, to me, I think she looks just like him. And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," because everybody says that she looks like her dad. And the couple said, "No, she just doesn't have that, you know, that darker skin and and that and that that textured hair like like her like her dad." And I just looked at this woman very strangely, and then it dawned on me, they met my brother. My brother, who had gone to the bathroom, who has was at dinner with my daughter and I, and I, I looked at them finally and I go, Oh, do you mean the gentleman who was who's who's eating dinner with us? And they were like, Yeah, um the the isn't that her father? Um, and I said No, no, it's not. And she was like, oh, okay. And we just, uh, we just assumed. I said, no, that's actually my brother. And the couple gave me this kind of odd stare. And then they looked at me and they go, oh, you all must not have the same parents. And y'all, I've never shared this story with my brother and I've never really shared it with a lot of other people, but it just stuck with me that these people had the audacity to one assume things and then two to come up to me and say something and then make even further assumptions about the two of us as if whether or not she looked like her father or not was anybody's business and whether or not my brother and I shared the same parents was none of their business either and I realized it's because he looked different than me like in some former fashion they couldn't understand why this blonde haired, green eyed woman was having dinner with a baby and my brother, who to this day he will tell you that he is taller than me, but you all he is not. Um I really think I'm an inch an inch, maybe half an inch taller than him. We don't appear when you just look at us to look anything alike. If you start to look closer, you can see lots of similarities in our facial, facial structure, um, in the way that we laugh, in our mannerisms sometimes, but it hit me, it was because he looked different than I did. And I was like, man, you know, in 2015, people are still uncomfortable when things don't look the same or how they quote unquote think they should. And I really started to have a lot more conversations with uh, myself, with my brother, and with some of my closest friends um, who are also you know, persons of color about this. And I started with myself and asking these questions of, did I ever say or do anything that it made you feel uncomfortable? you know, or was I a good friend? And I will remember my friend Ashley, who is literally one of my dearest friends, and we call each other sisters because that's just how close we are and we have that relationship. And, you know, she's told me, no, Lynn, she said, you know, it never mattered to you. She says, but the thing that's important is that you recognize that you have this privilege and you use that voice to make sure that things don't go unnoticed. That when people make comments and jokes that they wouldn't make in the presence of Michael, talking about my brother, or your other black friends, that you speak up and you say something. And you've done that. That you don't just let it pass. And you've done that. And I thought about it. and I was like, I've done that. But there were times when I didn't do that. And it started to make me realize that I don't I don't think I did it intentionally. It's not like I thought, oh, well, I just don't want to say anything. I think it's because I never understood how important my voice was in the fight against racism. That I have the duty to make sure that I am doing everything that I have with this privilege to, 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 to be a voice and to help others. And I am sure I'm going to say some things wrong here and I might offend somebody, but this is just my heart and what has been on it um, as of late. And it's that regardless of the color of your skin, what religion you are, what gender you identify with or don't identify with, your voice matters. If you see injustice, your voice matters. You need to speak up and tell somebody, that's not okay. I don't find that funny. That's not how we treat people in our family. It's so important. And there are times when I know people have accused me of being silent and not saying enough. And to that, I say, maybe on the outside, I look silent to you, but you have to remember what my job is. And there are certain things that I just can't do because of that. But I am fighting every day in my own way to make sure that I use my voice where it's appropriate and to to keep fighting And it's not that I don't see the injustice that's going on in our world, in our city, in our state. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand and I recognize that. I recognize that my brother and I can walk into the same place and we will be be treated differently. I recognize that it still makes people uncomfortable if my brother and I are out in public together. I recognize that one of my best friend's husbands, who is black, has different fears than I will ever know simply by sitting on the front porch of his Tanglewood home in Fort Worth, Texas. And it breaks my heart. And so I think it is so important for each and every one of us to realize that your voice matters and your voice is important and not only at the polling places on election day, but every single day in how you interact with people, in how you greet people, how you get to know people. And I know that oftentimes it looks like my circle and my sphere of influence is very white. Um, And I get it because it is, but that doesn't mean that there aren't others in my sphere of influence who I look to and look up to on a day to day basis. And I go to those people when I have tough questions and I've done the research, and I've tried to answer it, and I still don't know. I know that I can go and say, here is what I understand, but how, how do you understand it? Well, where am I going wrong? And so I'm doing those things at home. I am doing the work, and I'm having the conversations, and I'm reading the things, and I am teaching my child that people come in all colors and shapes. And their individual uniqueness is so important and should be loved and cherished. But they are also an individual. And you need to get to know all the things there are about them. Because that is the world that I grew up in. I have been accused of being quote-unquote colorblind, that I walk around and saying, oh, well, color doesn't matter. And it's simply not true. I see color. I see how important it is for us to see people of all walks of life, colors, religions, shapes, sizes, in everything that we do. I know how important that is. But then I also know that behind those people, behind the color of their skin or their religion is a person I want to get to know as well, that it is all of those things that make each and every one of us unique. And so I just want everybody else to know how important it is for you to recognize those things too to expand your sphere of influence. And I'm not talking about going out and finding the token black friend, right? That's not what this is about. And I have been very careful to not go do that or to suddenly start promoting black businesses or people for the sake of wanting to look right because that would be so fake and so inauthentic and not me. I want to get to know people first. I want to know their story. I want to know why they're passionate about what it is that they do so that when I am able to talk about them and promote them, it comes from a place of a relationship and not that I am just blasting something for the sake of looking like I'm doing my part. And so that's my two cents. And maybe it doesn't matter to you. And maybe you think this is just a bunch of hullabaloo and hogwash, but it's my heart. And I think sometimes I don't share enough of my heart. And it's hard because I do have to be very careful um, about things because of the nature of my job and what I do, because I know a lot of things. I know injustice happens. I see it every single day. I know that there are police officers out there that make crappy decisions. But I know that there are officers out there who make amazing decisions and who want to do better and who listen and are thoughtful and hate that a few bad apples make them all look bad because I work with those people. I work with the good ones. I work with the bad ones. But I also work with white people who are good and bad. I work with officers, non-officers, who are good and bad. There are those people everywhere. It just happens that our police officers, when they step into that uniform and they choose that profession, they get put on a pedestal. And yes, they should know better and they should do better but they are also human just like we all are we are all going to fall and we are all going to mistake to make mistakes we're going to say the wrong thing we're going to use the wrong word we're going to offend people we are going to fall on our faces But it's just that some of those people have to do it on a much bigger, more public stage. So as much as we criticize and say we need to do better, we also need to remember to give grace. Give grace to those people who are trying. Give grace to the people who make mistakes. Try to educate them. Try to see them as a human as well just the same as I am a human. And I understand that by putting so much of my life out on social media, I put myself at a different place and I'm perhaps held to a higher standard or people think I should do or act in a certain way or promote certain things. And maybe I should, and maybe I shouldn't. But what I can tell you is that what I share on social media, and I think all of you should know this, is as much of it is very real and raw as it can be, you also only get a snapshot, a little glimpse into my life every day and what I do. And you get to see pieces of my heart, but you don't get to see all of it. And some of that is by choice. It's because I can't show you, or there are parts of it in people who do not want to be shown And so remember that in all facets of life, all people, especially social media, and even the news, you get the snapshot. And maybe I've rambled on and none of this makes sense to you all anymore. And I don't even know if I know where I was even intending to going with this particular podcast today. But I do know that what we do and how we act and what we say matters. It matters if you go vote. That is your right, your civic duty, your responsibility. But we have other civic rights and duties and responsibilities and that's speaking out against injustice and it doesn't have to be the big grand gesture of a march or a rally or writing to you know, your local congressmen or senators or council members, it's hearing the off-color joke and looking at those people and saying, hey, that's not right, that doesn't feel right. Do you know what, what that says? Or when you see the side glances, engage those people and say, hey, I noticed that this made you uncomfortable. Why? Be a voice and be an advocate for people who may not be able to do that themselves. So I, I leave you today and I end this with just my own personal story of going into a restaurant with my brother and my then baby girl and having that moment. And that moment will stick with me along with tons of other ones as I move forward. And I promise that I will never stop trying to use my place, my voice, my privilege for good. just like that, it's another episode of the Life in Motion podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to know more, head to the show notes where you can find links to everything that we discussed today, as well as even more information. As always, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity and find time to do the things that you love, you can head over to www.lynmwinter.com and join our community.